Welcome back to the Know Me podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Know Me podcast, dear listeners. I'm your host, Cynthia, joined as always by the lovely Madeline. Hi, everyone. We have a truly enriching episode ahead. You know, Cynthia, when we talk about health and well-being, there's this phrase we often hear, the mind-body connection. We're all fairly accustomed to hearing about how our mental state impacts our physical health. But there's the other side of that coin, one that's often overlooked, the profound ways our body speaks to, influences, and guides our mind. It's a dialogue, a two-way street. And that's why today we're diving deep into this intricate dance between the mind and body. And we're not doing it alone. We invited a special guest, Sally, a professional health coach who has been instrumental in guiding countless individuals to tune into their body's wisdom and their health journeys. Together, we'll explore the steps you can take to better understand the silent language of the body, the importance of mindful language on our health journey, and the transformative power of small, consistent action. So whether you're just starting on your wellness journey or you're looking to deepen your understanding, this episode promises insights, revelations, and maybe, just maybe, a newfound appreciation for the marvel that is our body. And before we dive in, did you know that we're launching our Self-Awareness Club in November? It's the only club for curious-minded people who love learning about themselves. We've got a mix of workshops, book and toolkit meetups, and community roundtables to learn and grow together. If that sounds like your wheelhouse, check it out at nomi.com. And now let's dive into the episode. First of all, let us welcome Sally. Hi, Sally. Hi, Sally. All right. I was thinking about the mind-body connection. We talk a lot about that and we talk about it from the perspective that the mind usually is the thing that directs the body. So I spend a lot of time in my head going, what's going on with my body? And then I come up with different scenarios and different thoughts about that. And what I've realized in my years of experiencing this wonderful life is that if I flip the script and I listen more to my body and have it give information to my mind, then I'm usually a little better educated. So what do you think about that, Sally, from what you do? Yeah, 100%. So I'm a health coach, so I look holistically at the body. So that's body, mind, spirit, emotions. We can't just look at one element. When it comes to health, we need to look at the whole body. So 100% agree. There's a really strong mind-body connection, and it works both ways. What your mind is saying, so your feelings, your emotions, what you're thinking, has an impact on your physical body and your physical health. And vice versa, absolutely what you said in terms of we need to listen to our bodies. Nobody can tell us how we're feeling or how to respond. It has to come from within. So listening to our bodies can actually teach us a lot, whether that's healing or whether that's driving the future, growth. Absolutely, it has to come from within. When we talk about listening to our bodies, this stuff's really hard. So when I first started training as a coach, and in the model that I train in, embodiment and body wisdom is a huge part of it because it's something that's often left out of more goal-driven transactional coaching. I remember feeling so awkward about body wisdom, about doing it for myself and asking my clients to do it because it just felt so foreign to me to say, 
where are you feeling that anxiety in your body? Or even when you talk about this metaphor, let's physically get up and step into this metaphor together, right? If where you're standing is a zero now, what if we walk toward a tent? All of that just felt so inaccessible to me in my early coaching days. And still now, if I don't place emphasis on pushing myself to bring body wisdom into my sessions, it's so easy for me to just stay in heady conversations with my clients because it's the most comfortable place, the most known place for both me and my clients in this very intellectual world. So do you have any tips for when we're first starting to learn how to listen to our bodies? I would say start with your gut. You've probably heard the expression, the gut feeling, and it's so true. The gut brain connection is a really strong thing. You've probably felt it yourself. You're going into a presentation or you're going to meet some people for the first time and you feel those butterflies in your stomach that's your gut telling you something that's triggering the nerves to set to give you a response so i would say start with the gut same thing with even illnesses and health and diseases sometimes you get that bad feeling in your stomach and that's your body telling you to stop pause take a pause in your life and have a think about what's happening here and really get to the root cause of what's happening here. Because if we don't stop and we keep going and keep going in our busy, hectic lives and we let stress manifest it itself, that can actually cause disease in itself. So listening to your body and listening to your gut, I think, was, is a great place to start because that's probably the strongest place you'll feel it in the body. I love that. We talk a lot about that, that the second brain is located in the gut because it does hold a lot of hormones from what I understand. And of course, Sally, you probably know more about this. And one of the things that I have done over the years and I encourage my clients to do and, and Madeline and I uh, do this at the beginning of our course workshop. We encourage our participants just to get in touch with where they are physically, right? We do a body scan and it basically is just a really quick start at your toes or start at your head and just check in with your whole body just to do what you said, Sally, is to just to go, well, how does everything feel? And then if you do feel some sensations, is there something you can do right then and there just to relieve that? You mentioned that terrible word stress, right? And it's one way for it not to get out of control because, of course, a certain amount of stress is helpful, but we don't want it to get like anything out of control. Being mindful in that way that is, is a great starting point, but it's also something we need to remind us of, ourselves of on a frequent basis. Because we get so wrapped up in our busy lives, whether it's work or family, or we just keep going and keep going. And it's actually not until you stop that you realize some of these things. And it's that mindfulness of, as you say, the body scan is a fantastic tool to use. Just think, just go through your whole body and what are the sensations? Do you feel tingling? Do you feel any sort of dizziness? What sensation do you feel in every part of your body? And when we talk about stress, I think people don't realize their stress until they actually do stop and do this sort of body check-in. I always say to my clients before they do a meditation or before they do some mindfulness is just sit in your chair, put your feet on the ground, lower your shoulders. That's the first thing. We hold so much in our shoulders. Quite often we're, we're hunched at our desks or hunched over our mobile phones, cell phones. It's like that feeling in your shoulders. So just taking two seconds to go drop my shoulders, unclench my jaw. That's the other place we hold stress is in our jaws. And you're, you're amazed yeah. at how lightly you, you cling onto that jaw. So just by just sitting there, relaxing the shoulders, unclenching your jaw and 
even that in itself, before you even start with breathing techniques, that in itself will help with stress management and being more attuned with your body. Yes. Oh my God. The jaw thing I can feel so specifically for me. I can't tell you how much stress is in my jaw. And what came to mind while we're talking about how our bodies hold stress and how our bodies hold tension. There's also this whole other world to our bodies. If we don't explore body wisdom enough to even notice our stress, we definitely don't explore body wisdom to notice our joy, to notice our alignment, to notice when things are sitting well with us. And so this kind of coincides with when we talk about gut feeling is that for a lot of people is alignment. When something sinks in and sits well with you, it can be wherever that is. For some of my clients, they say it's their lower back. There's this firm core feeling to it. When we're having joyful moments, even in the joy, taking the pause and asking ourselves, where is this sitting, right? If I'm having a beautiful dinner with my friends giggling over cocktails, taking one conscious beat of mindfulness and presence to say, do I feel this in my heart space? Do I feel flutters in my belly? Do I feel my shoulders dropping? Noticing when things are in alignment as much as we notice when stress is being held in our body, I think builds our body wisdom as well. So one of the things that I wonder, and I'm on a curious pilgrimage through my life, and hopefully I'll do it till the end of the days, remain curious, my mantra, which is how to get this wisdom, right? And one of the things that I noticed was growing up, we didn't do a lot of talking about our bodies and educating ourselves. There was a separation even between mental health providers, physical doctors. There were no such things as health coaches, so to speak. No one was helping us understand our bodies in a physical way. We were told, you don't question the doctor. He, You just go in and they tell you that check, 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 or no check or pay attention to that or do that or take that or whatever. And it wasn't until I said, I don't do anything else in my life this way, one-sided, where someone just tells me, how can I educate myself? How can I learn about myself in a really meaningful way so that it has an impact on my life in a positive way? not in a shameful or guilty or whatever. And that's what I love about being in the preventative health space is actually we get to the root cause. So it's not just a band-aid managing symptoms. It's actually getting to the root cause of what the issue is and getting to know that. Because as you say, we don't, we don't, we don't get taught it at school. Even medical practitioners, a lot of the time, don't get taught about root cause analysis. So we do need to learn mm. how to understand our own bodies because there is no one size fits all. The, the doctors are amazing what they do, but there's no one size fits all. So it is our own responsibility to understand our own bodies, understand our own health and take control of our own health. And actually, there's so much you can do for yourself with the right nutrition, with staying physically active, with managing stress, getting enough sleep, staying hydrated, you know, all of these things are great tools for preventative medicine. If you get your nutrition and activity level sleep right, hopefully you can prevent disease in the future. We're all looking to have 
long and healthy lives. We, you know, we all want to live to 80, 90, 100, whatever it might be, but we want to be in our best health through those years to be able to live a full life, whether that's going walking in the mountains or looking after the grandkids or whatever it is. And so that's why I'm a big advocate of listening to your body and getting your nutrition and your health right in your younger years to support that. Mm -hmm. So as someone in her younger years, I feel so overwhelmed sometimes with all of this stuff. Like I don't know where to pay attention, where to trust. It feels like there's a lot of misinformation out there. Every four seconds, I'm learning about something completely new that we're not educated about. I do care about my health, but the default setting is to do nothing. And so the overwhelm almost puts me in a headspace sometimes that there's so much work to even figure out where to start that I don't want to start at all. How do you pick the right first thread to start pulling? How, how do you get started? I think we're both coaches and I think we probably follow a similar mantra. It's like, step by step. Don't try and do everything all at once. It can be totally overwhelming, especially in the health space. So take it step by step and focus on one thing at a time. Low-hanging fruit. Start with the low-hanging fruit. If exercise is something that you did enjoy, you might have loved going swimming as a child or you might have loved dancing as a child, well, go back to that and start there. We're not going to be all running marathons next week because we suddenly think we need to get out <laughs> But start small, start with the things that you enjoy, because if you enjoy it, then it's much, you're much more likely to stick to it and then it becomes a habit. You know, if you enjoy walking, then just if you start with 10 minutes a day, build it up to 15 minutes a day. The next week you might be doing 20 minutes a day. And before you know it, you're doing a half an hour brisk walk, which is fabulous for both your physical and your mental health. Journalists as well. This week, I'm going to focus on my physical activities, and this is what I'm going to do because it's much easier. You're much more likely to stick to a plan if you've written it down and if you communicated it to somebody else. So I think, yeah, journaling and communicate it to someone else would be my next piece of advice on that. Uh -huh. One of the things that comes to mind for me, which I remind my clients all the time and actually myself, is to not swing the pendulum so drastically where we have the most success is somewhere in the middle, not huge extremes. I'm going to train for a marathon because I like to go for a little jog and then I'm I'm disappointed with myself or I'm going to eliminate all of the foods that I love and never eat them again. And I love the whole preventative aspect. We're such a reactionary society and culture. It's a new way of thinking, isn't it? About believing that you can be who you want to be, not undo who you didn't mean to be. But you know, I, I've learned that myself and that's why I got into this field. I actually come from a corporate background. And this is how I got into this space because I was having health issues myself and I couldn't really find a lot of information. I had an interest in nutrition, but as I started to read more, I got more and more interested in it and speaking to a nutritionist and speaking to a naturopath who helped me through that journey, it was just life changing, really did teach me that food is medicine. And I 100% believe that through changing my nutrition and changing my outlook on nutrition, I've managed to balance my hormones, which have helped with my menopause symptoms. I've managed to eliminate my eczema, which I had. I've healed my gut. I had some terrible gut challenges. And yeah, I, lo I love what you were saying, Cynthia, in terms of don't deprive yourself. If you go on these 
crash diets where you cut out everything and the foods that you love and just think you have to eat lettuce leaves every day. There's no way you're going to stick to that diet. That's why so many people, you know, they call them yo-yo dieters. That's why people, they do it for four weeks, they see results and then bang, they fall off the wagon and it's, they're back to square one. In mm-hmm. fact, they probably put on more weight than they had in the first place. And I always say to people, it's think about what you can add into your diet, not what you take away. If you're so worried about, oh, I'm not allowed to have chocolate cake today, all you're going to think about is that chocolate cake. Right. If you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, do you know what? I haven't had avocados for a while. I used to love avocados. I'm going to introduce some avocados into my diet. They're healthy fats. We're getting the nutrients from that. And thinking about, I'm nourishing my body. Every time you have a place of food, think about, I'm nourishing my body. I'm doing good for my body rather than thinking about the deprivation. It's about balancing everything in life. I always use the 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time have all the good stuff, the fruits, the vegetables, the the protein with every meal, making sure you're getting the whole grains and uh, try to reduce the ultra processed foods, all of those things. But then 20% of the time, life's for living, have those treats. And treat it as a treat because then you're going to appreciate it more and it's 20% of the time, not every day. When we are building toward healthier lifestyles, to me, sometimes even the language around there's this phrase of I'm not looking for a diet, I'm looking to change my lifestyle. But even that feels really extreme, right? It feels like we're going from zero to 60 really quickly. And I love the idea of working with the season. So even in a mental space, I'll talk to my clients sometimes. I have one client that was telling me, I don't know if I want to do this job forever. And I was like, so don't. If you really like interacting with people and you really love the sunshine in the summer, go work at a cafe in the summer. No one's holding a gun to your head and telling you that you have to be in your freelance business year round. But if you find it easier to do that in the winter, then make different career decisions for yourself or different job decisions for yourself based on the time of year. And the same thing is true of how we act with our bodies and our health. So there's this thing going viral on TikTok called Cozy Cardio. And she gets her sneakers on but stays in her pajamas, makes an iced protein coffee for herself, mood lights her living room and watches Gilmore Girls or something on her walking pad at four or five miles an hour for 40 minutes. And she just like power walks while drinking an iced coffee and watching TV. And it's awesome. And there's all these gym bros online who are like, that's not real exercise. Actually, it's great. It's great for your blood sugar levels throughout the day. It's great for creating the habit of movement. It loosens my muscles and it just makes me happy. And so when we think of wellness as something that's not permanent, you can be really into swimming one week and really into running or jogging another week and then really into trying weightlifting another week. And that playfulness, whether it's exercise or eating or whatever, that playfulness we bring to our wellness is, I think, what keeps it more interesting exactly what you're saying is, I haven't had an avocado in a while. I wonder how I could introduce that to my new diets in order to enjoy it again, right? It's that creativity that we bring to our health that I think keeps us really engaged. Yeah, which we're talking about tuning into who we want to be. We're talking about values. We're talking about strengths. We're talking about marrying them to what we want, not what we don't want. We're so quick to know that I don't want this and I don't want that and I don't, 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 don't. And what do I want? I want to be more creative. I want to be, I want to have more fun. I want to be kind to myself and others. And I want to feel energized. I want to feel proud 
of who I am and what I bring to the world. I want to own a particular style. All of these are wonderful wants that bring out not just physicality or emotional stuff or thought processes, but just what we like to call our being states. You know what? That brings us back to what we started with in terms of the mind-body connection. I honestly believe, yeah. you know, your, what you believe becomes your truth. It goes back to the mind. And if you sit there and you're thinking, I'm fat, I'm unhappy, I'm unhealthy, you become that. Whereas that, if you think, I'm happy, I'm joyful, I'm healthy, I'm slender, you become that. I do believe in that, that mind talk is so powerful and focus on the positives and you become that. And it, you know, it, it just opens the doors to so many more joyful and more positive ways of thinking. And even in what you just spoke about, when you said, when we say to ourselves, I'm fat versus I'm slender, because I'm just going to call this particular one out a little bit, it can be really hard as well when we live in a world where beliefs that aren't useful to us or aren't our own infiltrate how we associate things. In the world we live in, one of the worst things that you can be is fat. That's just how we treat fatness. And sometimes I think what's really challenging is in this body positivity or even body neutrality movement, learning to be okay with the terms or learning to find new terms for yourself. And so as someone who's a large human, I'm over six foot two and I'm a big human. I'm so used to people commenting on my physical body all the time and on all the associations with that down to people love my height. They tell me all the time, oh my God, being tall is amazing. And I'm like, try flying on a plane or sitting on a bus or anything in a large body in a world that is not made for your body. And so I think another tool in the general body awareness, health awareness journey is to be so mindful around, is the language I'm using to talk about myself useful? So not just saying something to become it, but also is the thing I'm describing something I want to become? We can decide not to talk about slender or talk about fat or talk about any tall, short, anything if that's not what we want to focus our attention on. And so a big part, I think, also is understanding the language that we use in our own health journey toward ourselves and then how we ask our loved ones or whatnot to talk about us as well. Because I know for a really long time, it was super hard for me to conceptualize losing weight because I was so angry at the idea that someone who I knew was just focused on my weight would be like, oh, you've lost weight. You look great. I didn't want to face that moment if I was successful. And so I just avoided losing weight altogether. And so I think in understanding the language we want to use for ourselves, we also can empower our loved ones with that language and share with them how we want to be celebrated or how we want to have conversations around health because the reality is that everyone talks about health. Everyone talks about dieting. Everyone talks about food. Everyone talks about exercise. It's such a big part of the human experience, our bodies, that we are surrounded by these conversations. So step one is figuring how we want to talk about it to ourselves in a way that's useful and productive so that we can then empower the people around us to have conversations that are conducive to enjoying and loving our health journeys rather than only ever talking about the things that bring us inner turmoil and pain. It's about loving yourself, isn't it? You can't expect other people to love you if you don't love yourself. And so that's just always a start. And you've got to love yourself. It comes from within. And I think as a woman, I totally agree with you. I think there's 
that as a woman is constantly on your radar. What do people think of my body image, whether that's height or size or shit? And it's, I don't, and I don't know why that is. I think it is changing a little bit now. And I think as women, we're celebrating all shapes, sizes, and it's more about I'm healthy and I'm strong. And I'm kind. And that is yes. so much more important. And building language that is more accepting, not excluding, right? Or creating these binaries around us and others. We really are talking about a unique human experience and how to communicate it effectively to other people, right? Because I think when you get down to it, everybody wants the best for themselves as well as others. Why would we not? It just makes sense to me. Uh, I appreciate you bringing that up, Madeline. It really, it gives us pause to say, okay, I got to, I have to really make sure that I'm understood. So we can, we can move away from some of this stuff, Sally, like poor body image or thinking that we're less than or whatever that brings us to, right? Yeah, 100%. And I specialize in menopause and women of menopausal age, whether that's 40s, 50s, 60s, we are terrible at that. We put ourselves down. We often have loss of confidence in this age. And I think now is a time where we need to love ourselves, but also big ourselves up. Now is a time for reframing life. I think there's so much negativity that goes around aging, around menopause in particular, and it shouldn't be like that. Aging is a privilege. There's people who don't make it to season 15. Aging really is a privilege. So we should embrace that and love that and love ourselves through that journey because that's a great start place to start. And I often use the, the Japanese expression for the menopause, which is the second spring. And I just love that because it's so positive. It's, taught, it's rather than the doom and gloom of menopause and the fear of menopause, which is often in the media. Actually, it's our second spring. We've got half our lives ahead of us. There's so many opportunities mm-hmm. ahead of us. Let's just embrace that and uh, yeah, and make the most of it and take others on the journey. You talked about we need to take other people on, on that journey with us. We can only do that through education. I think as we go through aging processes, as we, as we go through menopause as, as women, it's important to take uh, our loved ones with us on that journey, whether that's watching a TV to program together that's about menopause or getting your partner to read a book about the menopause so they understand what you're going through or just open dialogue so that you are having conversations about it. For years and years, it's been such a taboo subject. Don't mention the gray hair and don't mention the menopause symptoms. No, it doesn't have to be like that. You're a new generation and we're breaking down those taboos and we're starting to have those conversations so that we're proud of who we are rather than having to brush it under the car or or be embarrassed about that. And this is when we were talking before planning to record this podcast, this was something you spoke about with me that was so inspiring is being able to include people on this journey. And that even though Mm -hmm. it doesn't directly affect you now or at all, it affects someone you love or it might affect you in the future. And so there's never a wrong time to be open about our bodies, whether it's menopause or anything. It's so funny how even as a woman myself, I still feel embarrassed to put tampons on the counter when I'm checking out at the grocery store, right? We're told that learning about our bodies, especially as women, is a shameful thing. And making others privy to that knowledge is extra shameful because if we're going to know about it, we might as well just keep it private. And so I love this 
narrative that you have, Sally, around being open and enjoying that second spring and inviting people along this journey to know about it because it makes it easier for the individual who's impacted, but easier for everyone around you as well. If we do want nothing but the best for ourselves and others, why wouldn't you want to be empowered with that information? It's really helpful for me to know my husband's not a morning person. If he tried to keep that a secret from me, I'd probably be really annoyed that every morning he woke up cranky because he never turned around with his self-awareness and said, I just don't like morning. This awareness right. empowers us to connect better with the people who we love most. I was watching a documentary on Netflix called The Blue Zone. It's about how to live to 100. Through his study, he talks about the components of living a long life. And one of it is valuing aging. And a lot of these places, it's about the connection. It's not about isolation. It's not about shame. That you have a viable part of a community of the connection. And if you don't, feel like you are part of that, if you feel like you're getting ostracized, that you're being the other, then that is what makes us want to expire, so to speak. And so it's this multifaceted of, once again, learning to love ourselves all along the seasons, like Madeline was mentioning, like you were mentioning, Sally. And I'm not going to say redefining. I'm going to use the word adding. What can we add to our repertoire that makes us love ourselves today that might look a little different than how we loved ourselves yesterday? It talks about community. I think that's so important that women don't feel alone as they're aging because, it, as you say, it can be really isolating. So I think it's really important to find your community whether that's another group of women, whether that's your partner, a sibling, whoever it is, make sure you've got someone that you can talk to because that's half, half of it. Just by talking to somebody about whether it's a menopause, whether it's IBS, whether it's mental health challenges, whatever it might be that you're facing, how to talk to somebody because that in itself will help you lower your, lower your anxiety levels, manage the stress associated and there's always somebody who can help. I think that's really important. Find that person that will support you and will help you through it because isolation is, is, is a bad thing and, and it's really important that you don't feel alone. And yes. inviting the other genders to the conversation. Sometimes they just need an invitation to have a conversation, to explore a conversation or a topic. Like you said, Madeline, I think it really is important to not only talk about it, but also be willing to receive. Like, what's going on with you and your physical body that I might want to know about, that I might want to be curious about? And I love that we've also talked about community here because this is a big part of what we believe in for Nomi, not just learning from professionals like ourselves, but also learning from each other because there's mm -hmm. so much that we learn from just sharing our experiences and having others hold up a mirror to us to help us deeper understand us or sharing their experiences so that we can also understand the impact of that on us and, and the way we relate to them. And so with Nomi, if you're interested in getting more involved in the community, you are more than welcome to. We believe in regular practices, workshops, and, and engagements with practitioners, wonderful practitioners like Sally and others, as well as touch points with each other to learn from each other within the Nomi community. So if you want to learn more about that, you can find out on our website, nomi.coach. 
And Sally, if people want to work with you one-on-one, how would they do that? So I'm on social platforms, Facebook and Instagram. And my handle is um, at Rebalance by Sally. And I have a website, rebalancebysally.com. So feel free to go to my website. You can subscribe to my newsletter. And every month I send out a newsletter, which is full of information about menopause, hints and tips of how to improve your menopause, lovely recipes, which are hormone balancing, high in protein, for example, as well as promotional offers. So yeah, sign up to my, my newsletter as well as find me on socials. Oh, what a Thanks. great resource. Thank you for sharing that with everyone. And it wouldn't be a Nomi podcast without ending with a quote. So mom, do you have one prepared for us? I do. It is by Daniel J. Siegel. The body and mind are inextricably connected. Our bodies don't just follow the mind. Our bodies are minds. A very good one. And a special thank you to Sally for being our wonderful guest. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around. And until next time, be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.